welcome back to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where we talk about what it's really like to turn 30. I'm your host, life coach Emma Wilson, and I'm here to help you feel better, get unstuck and be more confident in your 30s. And I'm excited that this is the first episode of the new year, 2023. Happy new year to all of my amazing, amazing community and listeners. I'm so excited to have you back here with me for yet another incredible, inspiring and uplifting guest episode. But before that, I'll just give you a little behind the scenes update of what's been going on with me since my last episode. I have been back in Manchester, visiting family, having a nice relaxed Christmas holidays. It was really lovely to take 10 days off work and just completely relax and disconnect for a while. Sadly, when I was there, I got a little bit sick and came back home feeling the opposite of refreshed, which is so often what happens. I think we really glorify going on holiday and not remembering that usually when we stop and often when we go on trains and planes and outside of our regular routines, that a lot of the time we actually do get sick and our bodies get a bit shocked and don't know how to respond and ended up having to really take an extra week off that I didn't expect and delayed my new year. I didn't get to do any of my new year resolutions and all of the things that I love doing. I really love any excuse for a fresh start and to set new goals and to get into new habits and routines. I mean, obviously, because I'm a life coach, that is a uh, very obvious that I would be the kind of person to love those things but I really learned some lessons during this time to just let go of the things that we think that are going to happen and the things that we want to do and to really just flow with it and I ended up really starting the new year one week later than I originally planned but I still got to do all of those things even though it happened on the 6th of January instead of the 1st of January but not going to be woe is me I'm feeling good and getting back to full health and excited about all of the plans for 2023 and for where I'm going to take my business this year and for those of you that follow me on my stories at my Instagram which is at turning 30 coach you'll see that I attended a really exciting mastermind event last week which really reminded me of how far I've come in business and how much I have to offer and how important this community is and this mission is for me and it really helped me to reconnect with my audience and to re-decide and to reconnect with what I want to bring to you all for the next year so lots of exciting plans I'm not going to do too many spoilers now but of course I'll speak about this on the podcast as and when it's relevant but we will finally be doing the turning 30 retreat that was delayed from last year this year it will be taking place in July so mark your calendars and remember to keep up to date on the podcast episodes and on my Instagram to hear about that as and when it will be released which hopefully will be in not very long in the coming month and also other exciting plans but I'm going to keep them under wraps for now and in terms of my one-on-one coaching spots I currently am fully booked and I have one spot that I know of that's opening up for February 
just before I set off onto another remote working trip, which is all very exciting. And I will definitely talk about that in another episode. But there's currently one spot that is left. So if you are interested in that, then make sure to contact me directly on my Instagram to book in a consultation call. And I just also wanted to follow up with the last episode where I shared about a workshop I was running with my coach and previous podcast guest, Nicole Oren, where we talked about redeciding. So how to redecide all the different areas of your life and the goals that you want to set and the intentions that you have for yourself and for your life in the coming year. And we did run that. It got delayed due to me having no voice, but we did run that earlier this week and if you would like to re-watch it I do highly recommend it it's saved on my latest grid posts on Instagram so definitely go and check that out if you haven't already I'm really excited about this week's guest I love connecting with other life coaches I love connecting with people who are following their authentic and true aligned path and This week's guest, Taylor Amrani, is such an example for that. And she's not even 30 yet. She's only 28. And I met Taylor just before she went on a really exciting transitional period that led her to travel and to solo travel so much in 2022. And I invited her onto the podcast to talk to you all about something that I don't think gets enough airtime. And that is those feelings of being different from your family on those feelings of breaking away and doing something different whether that's a career path or career choice that they want for you and that you decide isn't for you or whether that's moving city or moving country or marrying somebody outside of your religion or just doing something that really isn't what your family even if that's a specific family member wants for you and how to deal with all of those emotions that come up and Taylor has a really interesting and inspiring journey in relation to this and when I heard her speaking about it and after I met her in person and saw the growth that she had gone on in relation to this topic I knew that I had to bring her on the podcast to share her story with you. So let me just introduce Taylor. She is a spiritual teacher, podcast host, and content creator, and she built her brand, Life by Taylor, to guide people on their spiritual journey towards their truth and to help them build the courage to follow it. Welcome, Taylor, to the podcast. Hi, Taylor, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, Emma. Uh, So where are you right now? Before we even get started, I just want to hear where in the world you are. Sure. I'm in a very random town. Well, I don't want to say random in case people are from here. <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a town in Greece, in northern Greece, like 40 minutes from Thessaloniki. Amazing. So I firstly want to say that I love your Instagram. I've been a follower for years and I think watching all your adventures from the last year and seeing your growth, and I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about where we met and you know our first conversation that we had in a moment, but I knew I had to invite you on because I know that so many of my Turning 30 community are going to be inspired by all of your solo travel and all of the things that you've been up to in the past year. And yeah, I guess let's start by reminiscing about when we first met. You had just gone through a huge life transition and 
you were basically deciding whether to go and travel and there were certain worries that you had or things holding you back. So do you want to share a little bit about where you were at that point in your life? And it was two and a half years. Was that two two years ago when it was? I, in- think, I think so. Yeah, it should be like two and a half years. I really am bad with time. And like oh, no, it's not. It's not. It's a year and a half ago. It was in year the summer. Half, yeah. It was the summer of 2021. Yes, yes. you're okay. right. Yes, a year and a half ago. Wow. It's like so little time and so much has happened since then. It's crazy. Yeah. That's the first thing I want to tell people. Just give up on time completely. I don't live. I don't live in the construct of time. I don't know what day it is today. Truly what date it is, what year it is. I really, And I think it really helps because it helps me like timeline jump or whatever you want to call it. Because I'm not like, oh, this is unrealistic to accomplish in a year. I just do what I can in the present and find myself in crazy places Love that. <laughs> in short periods of time. So <laughs> I think the first thing is that I would see other people living and doing things that I wanted to do. And it would either trigger sadness or jealousy or insecurity in me. And I was in a new apartment. I just renovated and decorated. I spent so much money and time on it. I got a brand new car, like an SUV, because I was like, I'll probably have a family. So I should get this SUV, like brand new Skoda that looked like I was a soccer mom. I (laughs) was living with a boyfriend. I really had a completely different life when I met you. And, or maybe when we met, it was right when I decided, okay, it's not it. I'm done. But I remember I wanted to watch Eat, Pray, Love, and it triggered me so much that I couldn't watch because I was like, I want to do this so bad, but I'm I'm so afraid of it that I turned the movie off. And of course, just doing the work I do, I recognized that that was my truth speaking to me. And instead of running away from it, I was like, okay, noted. I don't need to act on it right now, but let's also not neglect this and suppress it too much. So it was always like in the background of my mind. And I remember the day I had a conversation with my boyfriend and I'm like, listen, I really feel like I need to travel and see the world. And we planned on doing that together at first because I wasn't going to be like, and I'm leaving you. (laughs) But deep down, I knew I wanted to go alone. And he was like, okay, no problem. Really supportive. He's like, you know what? Uh, He surprised me with like a skydiving experience because he was like, I want to support her and like going after this like fearlessness and facing her fears, which bless his heart, by the way, super, super appreciate him. And we're really good friends still today. I love him. And eventually it just kept going down spiraling. I think once you start to speak your truth and admit it out loud, it's kind of like you start to just, it just starts to vomit. Like you just vomit the truth. It just keeps coming and flowing. So I couldn't go back. I could just keep going more and more into my truth. And I eventually told him, listen, I think we need to part ways. And it was actually a really beautiful conscious breakup that I I'm really grateful for to see that you can end relationships from a really loving place. And I started my journey going on a trip, me and him were supposed to go on together for two weeks to Austria to test out the work life outside of, you know, and travel. Mm -hmm. When I got back, I was like, okay, I want more of that. I want to do more of that. I'm very scared, but I want to do more. And I started thinking, who do I know that's done this? Who do I know that's worked from abroad? I was asking you, I remember the questions I was asking you, like really funny questions. Like, how did you like take money out? Like what happens if you run out of money and how does your phone work? Like, how did you make sure that your phone works? (laughs) And I look back on this conversation and I laugh sometimes because I realize like how scared I was and how clueless I was and that I still did it. So it's also a moment to, for me to reflect on being proud of myself and giving myself credit. So we met at a cafe, remember? And I, I remember this conversation vividly because I talk about it a lot. It was the last push I needed on my journey. 
we spoke about my fears and why I'm really afraid of going after it and traveling and solo traveling and working simultaneously. And you told me, Taylor, just do it. I promise you, like, you're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. You told me I'm not a unicorn, Taylor. I'm not an alien. Like, I'm a person. If I could do it, you could do it. And that just stayed in my mind. So a lot had happened until I actually let myself go and travel. But that was definitely the first step. And in the past years or and a half since that conversation, I've traveled to India, Austria, Ecuador, Greece, Morocco, working and traveling mostly by myself. And I am so happy that I did. I'm so happy that I followed my intuition and did that. Oh my God, I just got goosebumps. You just listed all the places that you went. (laughs) It's really wild. And I think that when we, I think you reached out to me, we were friends on Instagram and we decided to meet uh, that day for coffee. It was a huge yes for me to meet you because I really saw the part of the stage of journey that you were uh, on and the path that you were now wanting to go on was exactly where I had been one year before. So I also had really similarly come out of a long-term relationship and felt like there was something more to life. And I had that really strong intuition pulling me for something more and knowing that it was there, but being afraid, I think for different reasons, but feeling like, shit, like this is my truth. How am I going to get there? Like, how am I really, really going to do it? And I really wanted to pass on to you, I guess, or or just have a conversation with you to help you to get to that point that I eventually got to, which obviously led me to go on my last two years, which has been so much solo travel and work. And obviously we're both life coaches. So we have similar um, working backgrounds as well and similar lifestyles. So yeah, it was such a pleasure to meet you. And I remember that day, you know, hearing you and hearing the fears, I do remember you asking me all the logistical questions, which is so funny (laughs) because I think when you've never solo solo traveled before, uh, it's something you can get really caught up on. And it's like really trying to uh, get that mindset of like all of those things, like you'll figure it out. I remember being like, no, don't worry about that. Whenever you get there, like you're you're smart, (laughs) you're savvy, (laughs) (laughs) you'll figure it out. You'll get, you'll you'll, you'll find out where to buy the SIM card. It will be fine. Um, But yeah, like I remember hearing from you how much you felt that you wanted this path and it was really pulling you towards it, but that you felt that your family and specifically your dad uh, was really trying to convince you otherwise. And it was something that was really hard for you. And you mentioned a couple of times during the conversation that about disappointing him or about uh, maybe that fear of breaking free from family. And I remember sitting with you and saying, you know, this is your path and it's very important that you follow what's what's good for you. But at that time, I think you were just about to leave Tel Aviv to go back and live in LA. And that, that was almost like the next step of, mm-hmm. you know, it was going back into a family dynamic and going back into that family atmosphere. And I really remember walking away and it's something that I don't personally have so much experience with. I would say that my, if you kind of sub the word, community for family like the Jewish community that I'm from right. in Manchester yes. that for me was more of the like what will people think but for yes. me my, my parents are almost like the opposite like they, they're, they're kind of like just forget like oh do what you want move, move you're <laughs> traveling and I'm like hey I'm here and they're like oh <laughs> what, what are you doing now where are you it's, it's, it's quite opposite but I really specifically remember walking away and being like I really hope that Taylor finds that power within her to break free from what her dad thinks and what her dad wants yeah. for her. And then obviously I've 
been following you and see all these amazing, incredible things that you're doing, which uh, I'll ask you to share more about later. And I remember then seeing really recently, I think it was like a month or two ago, that you had a podcast episode titled breaking free from family and I listened to it and heard and I was like yes she did it and it was Mm -hmm. it was a really like a proud moment (laughs) yeah like I was really like yes she did it I was really happy for you because I know that was such a big part of your journey and I wanted to bring you on here to share how you did that because I think I almost it's a topic I've not talked about really for the two and a half years we've had the turning 30 podcast because it's something that I didn't really have to go through mm-hmm. so I really know so many in my audience feel that pull to be near their family stay near their family yes. live the same life as their family follow the same path and I think you can be a true inspiration for those people because you went on such a journey with it so would you share a little bit about I guess your background uh, and and yes. this pull that you had to be the same or or to do the things that they wanted from you first of all just hearing you um it's really making me emotional because I feel like, you know, the journey of breaking free from my dad's opinion and also from my family. And I'll talk about what I meant by that is has been one of the most painful and difficult experiences of my life. And it's still something that's present for me. It's not something that's, you know, you get to the other side of it like anything. There's still it still comes up and there's still challenges there. And hearing that my experience and my courage and my ability to do that can help other people just gives it so much more meaning and really does remind me why why I do why I take that hard path down to uh, my own authenticity and truth and independence so thank you and yeah I can share about this and I think what you said about your community like having that similar thing I really feel like even if this doesn't relate to someone in terms of their family it can relate to any type of you know pressure to a gain approval or validation from any outside source that isn't you. But let's talk about the family thing, because for me, that's the biggest one. Wow. Where do I begin? I think that, you know, my dad, he's an immigrant. He came to America from Israel with little to no English and no money. And he built a life for himself, really working so, so hard and sacrificed so much so that my brother and I could have what he believed was a successful life. And most of his life, he was so deprived of financial success and material success that his definition of success has been financial abundance, financial stability and security. So First of all, I have a lot of compassion for him. I have a lot of empathy for him. And I understand where that comes from. I think that's a huge part of breaking free is recognizing where it's coming from. Because at first, for most of my life, I saw it as my dad against me. My dad is against me. He's against me. My truth is to go this way. And he wants me to go that way. He wants me to be a lawyer. He wants me to go work in high tech. He wants me to have these very secure, stable jobs because he's lived most of his life in survival, in survival mode. And he cannot relate to the way he raised me, which is so funny because he gave me this freedom. He gave me these privileges and he can't relate to them. He doesn't know what it feels like to not have to worry about having food on your table and a roof over your head. So it's about really understanding that first. And I didn't understand that for a long time. So I was always very afraid of stepping into my truth, stepping into what I want to do in life. I always say when I decided not to be a lawyer, I killed my dad's dream. But when I told him I'm going to be a life coach, I became his worst nightmare. (laughs) 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 Truly. Anybody who, 
you know becomes a life coach has that awkward thing of trying to yeah. explain it <laughs> yes. to uh, the generations above us and it's like oh yes. that's interesting and yes <laughs> you know I think it's so funny you know obviously I also I was a lawyer and then became yeah. a life coach and right. like even just the, the difference in those two professions is so yes. ridiculously far apart I, <laughs> I, I can kind of I do empathize with your dad with that yeah, <laughs> I can get that. Yeah. He's like, what? Like of all things, like, okay, you don't want to be a lawyer, but do something else. Like that's like respectable in society. I also recognize that at a certain point, my dad, you know, his pride is being able to, you know, flaunt, you know, be proud of me and talk about me, what I'm doing. And now I'm putting it on him to sell this, this career path that I'm taking. So he was just like, can I not? Like, I do not want to tell people my daughter's a life coach. So <laughs> obviously there was a lot of resistance and a lot of it required a lot of courage for me to stand in my truth. And for a long time, I didn't, I really shied away from it. I disconnected from him so that I could start my own path. And I think sometimes that's necessary, you know, not being in contact all the time and having their presence. It's already internalized in your conditioning. I hear my dad's voice even when we're not talking, but if I'm talking to him and telling him about my life, it makes it worse. It makes Mm -hmm. it harder for me. So I did take some space and I just kept telling myself, you know, I trust that this man, I know this man loves me because if he didn't, he wouldn't be this obsessed with my life path and where I'm going and if I'm okay and if everything's working well. Even if he shows that love in a very tough way that doesn't, I don't feel is loving, that's love. And I know that if I do well and I'm happy really and I'm independent and I'm making enough money to survive and thrive, he will be happy no matter what I'm doing. And I kind of have to foresee that and live in that future, you know, even Mm. though in the present, he is so afraid of the instability and the insecurity and the fears and the risks that I'm taking. I also like to tell people that your parents are not going, most parents, um, overprotective parents, especially, don't enjoy watching their child take risks. They don't really enjoy watching you do something that can lead to you being hurt or you being disappointed or you not being happy. So they're triggered. They're in their fear mode. And you have to understand that, okay, I have compassion for that, but I'm not going to live in my fears and your fears. So let's recognize that and move forward. And I love love everything you're saying here. I think the point about having empathy and compassion and I think this really relates to even like a lot of my audience who are single and I'm sure it's just been the Christmas holidays now and people have a lot of questions like who you're dating and what's going on and who are you seeing anybody and, yeah. and we can get frustrated and I love practicing compassion and practicing that it comes from care and love and interest and curiosity even though our minds take it to oh you know, that person's being nosy or out of line or, uh, you know, that kind of our brains automatically want to put them in a, in a certain bad light. So I love that point, but I think what you're saying is amazing how, especially, you know, with your dad, that you can have that journey of really understanding that he does love you, even if he shows it differently and that really that compassion or empathy for his own journey. But can you, expand a little bit more on how you got to those understandings because I think that for many people like was it via like therapy and coaching or was it more like something that happened or something specific just Mm -hmm. because I think these are all things that are amazing and maybe even someone listening to this that the flash the light bulb moment for them will come from just hearing you say it was there someone that told you this like how did it work wow it's hard for me to pinpoint one thing just because my life so I had a really difficult childhood and it's it's hard to 
explain it because on one hand, I lived in a household that was very high, you know, upper class. You know, my dad made money. My dad was successful financially, but in terms of a home and a family and love, I was, I was very, I would consider myself poor. You know, it, it wasn't, and it's such a weird thing because people saw me growing up and we're like, she's so lucky she has money, but I wanted love. I wanted a family. I didn't want money. I didn't care that I was in a nice house if I didn't feel at home. So from a very young age, I suffered from a lot of struggles internally in the home and also at school. And my whole life has been looking for answers for myself. I never saw this as something I would do for a living or make it my career or my passion to to help other people. I just was literally desperate for answers. So I've been reading personal development books, watching TED Talks, listening to podcasts since I was probably 14 years old and my parents got divorced. And I think it's just a combination of all these different sources reinforcing in me my ability to trust myself, listen to myself, build this relationship with myself where I can, where I know what's best for me and I, and no one else can tell me what's best for me. I think just having that repetitive message coming from so many different sources led me to, to that point. But with my dad, it took me a long time. You know, I'm 28 years old. And I think only last year, I actually started to see myself as a free person and not his daughter and my own adult. And the process of that, I want to give a practical tip for that is that even when you're talking, and I've given this to my clients who also are afraid to tell their parents, you know, that they're dating or not dating or who they're dating or whatever, is that your parents will pick up on the energy that you are sharing, delivering your message with. You know, if you're saying something like you're ashamed of it, if you're saying something like you're insecure about it, that's going to trigger their fear more because they're now more worried. So in my dad's presence, when he asks me, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm life coaching, but I'm saying it proudly. I'm not saying it like it's something I have to hide or something I'm afraid of. I've told clients that when they have that fear of answering to their parents, if they're dating or not, and some of them want, feel like taking a break from dating, for example, and their parents are like, oh, you're not dating now, like freaking out. Yeah, I feel like taking time for myself. And if you say it with confidence, your parents are like, oh, she's okay. She's fine. Like she feels good. She's confident. She's okay. Now, a lot of the times I'm not going to lie, I was faking it. I wasn't fully confident that I was going to succeed, but it did help me kind of step into the energy that I wanted to carry in my path. So that's, that's really, I didn't go to formal therapy. I went to many therapists in my life and didn't resonate so much with the therapy process. I know you've had clients tell you that too, as a coach, I hear it all the time as well. So I never went to therapy, but I always was seeking tools and resources and looking to just strengthen what I knew to be true within myself from people outside of me, you know, role models, Oprah and <laughs> people yeah. who are not, you know, Oprah, I always say Oprah is my mom <laughs> because I love my mom to death, but she has not really fulfilled the role of a mother in my life. And Oprah has been my mom. And I have actually, I have a picture that's actually my wallet now because I was traveling, but I have a printed picture of all of my role models. And I say, what do they think about my decision? <laughs> yeah. And I ask myself, like, what would they say about this life choice and follow well, them? <laughs> you know what's coming up for me is just a really random thought is like, we're told society signals us that our role models have to be our parents or our grandparents right. <laughs> and that our role models have to be people who brought us up. And it's like almost really it's conditioned for us to believe that. But I think for many of us, our parents aren't our role models. Like we don't right. want to be like, I, I can say now, I love my parents, both of them dearly. I don't want to live a life like them. I don't want Same. to be like them. You know, my mum, both my mum and dad never left the town that they've grown up in. And uh, there are things about their lives that are parallel to me. They're both entrepreneurs and they both run their own businesses. And I know I get my right. like kind of 
my entrepreneurial genes from them. But at the same time, like, no, I don't want to live a life like not even just my parents, also my grandparents, also my community and moving country and doing something different and doing a completely different career has been a really big thing for me. Again, breaking free from, from that. And I think what you're saying is actually really important is we can pick role models that aren't actually blood related to us. I call them my spirit family. Yeah. And it's really like when you were just saying it, I'm like, why do we even think we have to? And it's the same yeah. thing. Um, and the holistic psychologist speaks about this a lot. And I, I know I really respect mm-hmm. her and share same. a lot of her things on, on my Instagram is like, we don't, you know, there's that saying about like your family, family is everything. And we're really taught that from a really young age. Mm-hmm. And she did a big thing where she cut ties with her family for many years while she was going through her healing journey. And I think that we need to normalize this and talk about yes. this, even though it's still taboo, that, sometimes if you go on this journey your parents aren't going to be involved and not only that that you're gonna and you mentioned this before with your dad have space or disconnect or have those things and that's okay and that's oh it's so okay I think that you know for me on what I have both sides of it so I have my dad who's who it was like breaking free from him was breaking free of his opinion and his judgment and his what he believed was the right path for me on the other hand I had a mother and have a mother who suffers from an illness and I was home and I was, I saw how much being home helped her and being in her presence helped her and how much I could give her and take care of her and support her and choosing to put myself first, knowing that it's, it is going to hurt her, you know, in some way, she's not going to have my help in my presence when I'm one of the people who are the only people she has was also very hard. And A lot of people tell me, you know, my mom, if I leave her, if I go on my own path, I'm going to cause her so much stress and so much anxiety or my mom needs me. My mom needs my help. And your parents really, even if they don't know it, need you to be happy. They need you to be good. That's what they need. Because I don't remember where I saw this quote, but it's like a mantra for me that if I'm always helping people, I will also need help. You know, if I'm Mm. always helping them, I will end up being someone who needs help too. And I can see that even though my mom misses me dearly and she's always, you know, she literally will cry to me how much she wants me there. I know that I can help her much more in the long run. If I go out, I call it leaving the island, leave the island and go build a life for myself. I can come back with more resources and more energy and more love and more care for them and help them a lot more from that place where I'm stronger. I thought about it also recently when I felt selfish. Sometimes I feel selfish for just going on my own path and like leaving my family behind, my brothers with my parents in LA, dealing with all this drama and these problems. And I feel like, oh, I'm just sitting chilling in Morocco right now, like living my best life. That is a hard feeling. Two things come to me. One is that, you know, my dad left Israel when he was 19 years old. He was the only one in his family to leave the village and make something of himself. And he was able to help his family so much more than anyone else. He was able to buy his sister a car and help people pay for school and surgeries and really do so much for them. But that took him like 10, 15 years to get Mm -hmm. there. And he has been a rock for our family. He's been something that's been able to support his family so much and help him. Not that you have to, but it reminded me, okay, so I'm in that part of my journey where I'm going out to build myself. And of course, I would love to come back and help them. Of course, I would love to come back and support them. But I don't have much to give them right now until I get there. So that's uh, something I keep in mind. And 
uh, Lisa Nichols quote that I love. She talks about how when you're going on the path of living your best life, it's like a door and you can't bring anyone with you. You have to walk in it. You have to walk through it by yourself. There's mm-hmm. no room for all your friends and family. You have to walk through. And then once you get there, you can come back and help people through the door, show them the path, show them how to get through it. But you have to walk through that door on your own. Wow. And it's, it is being selfish to an extent, but right. it's it's for the right reasons. Right. I was going to say, and I'd written down two words on a piece of paper yeah. to bring up with you. And you you just mentioned both of them in what you said, selfish, and I put guilt. And I think that you've already given the advice that I would say mm-hmm. is, is especially about, I always use the example that reminds me of this thing about walking through the door alone is like, people can say that you're selfish and people can say that you've putting yourself first or that you're forgetting others, or you made a decision that's you know wrong or whatever but I I always say no one else is you like no one else has to wake up in the morning and put on your shoes yes walk out of your front door nobody yes. else nobody else make decisions based on what other people will think of us or what other people mm-hmm. want for us then we're basically trying to put on loads of different pairs of shoes that aren't ours or we're trying to put somebody else is trying to put on our pairs, pair of shoes that won't fit them yeah, I think that it's really, really important because, and it's something that I think a lot of people who are listening who have moved away from their family, so whether it's people who move city or expats who've moved country, is that guilt that really, and it's, mm. it's so hard. I'm, I'm really like, my body's kind of like, almost like tensing as I'm saying it, because it's something that I know so many of my friends who live here with me uh, in Tel Aviv, who are originally from all over the world, we experience this like guilt of like, I've moved away. And I always think about it. I always think, God, when I, you know, become a mum, and if I like dedicate my 18 years of my child's life to nurturing them and, and bringing them up and loving them and paying for them. And then when they turn 18, they turn around and say, bye, mum, fuck off. <laughs> I'm leaving. I'll be yes. so upset. Right. But I think what you said is really like rings true is like, just got to understand that you know it's for the happiness and it's yes. for our happiness that we're doing it but yes. you know I guess it's the big question is how do we deal with this guilt like how mm-hmm. where, did, where what can we do with it it's it's a constant question I have to ask myself living abroad mm-hmm. and every time I go home and I think maybe you, you just referenced this with your brother mm-hmm. whenever I go home and there's things going on with the family like there's family dramas and this person's this has happened with this person and this you know and I, I'm, I don't know I'm like just passing by I'm like uh you know almost like just dropping in I used to be this I used to try and be the social worker and try and fix everything yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then quite quickly realize that that doesn't work so try yes. to drop the role of being the family social worker yes. and then leaving again and then it's like I'm always never good those that's the few weeks after I go back I'm always like right. feeling guilty and feeling selfish and feeling like I don't I never get to the point where I question the decision because I know I'm good with it but mm-hmm. definitely struggle with feelings of guilt yeah, I I do too, but I also come back to the fact that I will be a different role in a new family one day. I'm going to create my own family and to create the family that I want, I have to be the person that I want to be. And I think that you know, in our lens where we grow up as the child and we see our core family as our siblings and our parents, we're looking like sideways and up, but we forget that eventually we're going to be looking down to our children and to to the side of us, to our partner. And our family is going to be our secondary, you know, 
focus. It's not going to be our main focus. So I always think about that. I'm like, I'm creating the life for the future family that I want to create. And I put my focus into that family. I didn't choose the family I was born into. I didn't choose the way we were raised. I didn't choose the what we were taught. I didn't choose how we ate and where we lived. I didn't get to choose any of that. I just got to be born into that. And for many reasons, I'm grateful for it. You know what? Even for the things that I would change, I'm grateful for them too. But I'm focusing on what's in my control. And what's in my control is the family and the life I want to create. So whenever I feel guilt about my parents and my brother, I think about I don't want to feel guilt when I look at my children, when I had the the ability to change their life or to create the life I wanted for them. And I didn't. Mm. That's worse because I didn't have any control over this situation, this family. I was not the mother. I was not the, the queen of this house. I'm just a little princess, but I'm going to be the queen of a home one day. And I want to do everything in my control, everything in my power to give my children the family and the home and the life that I wish I had and what I want to pass on. So for me to do that, it makes no sense to stay confined to what my parents created and to the life my parents, you know, they also had choices whether or not they were aware or conscious, they had choices, they made decisions, they lived a life, they've been living a life, and there's consequences to their actions, there's consequences to every choice and path they make. I have compassion, I have empathy, but I want to make the choices that I'm going to live with at their age. I want to make the choices where at their age, I look back and I say, I'm not, I don't regret anything. I tried, I did the best I can truly, and really know that in my heart, whether I make mistakes or not. So I always think about my future family. Oh, always. So <laughs> that good. really gives me peace. Yeah. It's really something that I've never actually thought of before. I mean, I definitely yeah. thought of like, okay, when I do things my way and have my family, it will look different from you know, the framework yes. that I was brought up in, definitely. But I think that's a really practical uh, tool to give somebody yeah. to think of how to deal with that guilt and basically how to carve your own path. Yes. Something that I loved listening to your episode um, of Breaking Free from your family that I would love you to share is about your grandma. Mm. So you said a quote in it that she always says to you. And I I wonder (laughs) if you could share it because I think it's amazing that she was such a, you did have a role model that is someone, was someone in your family. Yes. So yeah, can you tell us a little bit about her and her life motto? Yes. I think also just from a spiritual perspective, I wanted to add that we are all equal with our parents too. You know, we're all just souls floating around in, in in this universe. And the fact that they've been here longer doesn't mean that they know better or we owe them anything. You know, we're doing our best. They're doing their best. That's also helped me. That's a side note. Spirituality has helped me a lot in that sense. But my grandmother, bless her heart, she was... She doesn't know how old she was when she passed. She doesn't, she never knew how old she was because she was born in Yemen. She was born in like the middle of the desert. So she came to Israel when she was 14, got married at 15 to my grandpa, had like seven children and never learned how to read and write, never learned how to drive a car, didn't do the army, even though she wanted to, never had a career, really was a woman who sacrificed her entire truth and her path for her family and for her husband. And when my grandpa passed away, my grandma was probably in her mid seventies, late seventies. And she decided now's the time I'm not going to hold back. She went to learn how to read and write in her late seventies. She, yes, she, um, she traveled the world. She was in Morocco. She was in all these different places in her late seventies traveling. 
And she's like, that's it. Like, I'm free. I'm going to do it all. She was swimming every morning at five in the morning. Like, she was like, this is my time. Like, she's free. So that's also, you know, age is nothing, right? And watching her do that, you know, she would always tell me from a young age, trust yourself and do what you truly want. Do not, she told me even like, respect your father, but do not do what your father asks of you. That's not respect. That's disrespecting yourself. Mm. Respect yourself. And that's a huge thing in, in Middle Eastern culture, this idea that you have to respect, respect your parents. And, you know, your parents define what that means. And usually it means respecting them means doing everything their way. That's not respect. So mm. I've realized that that's disrespecting myself. If I, you know, respe if respecting my father means we're disrespecting myself, then that's not my definition of respecting him. And I've had to define that for myself. So she helped me with that. And she would always say in Hebrew, like, fuck everyone and do you like that was her mantra that was her motto she literally would like stick her middle finger up and just be like fuck everyone and do you taylor and when i went to the army and i went to school and got an education and i traveled i could see how i was like living her dreams for her how fulfilled she was watching me go after these things that she dreamt of and when she passed away it just felt like i have to carry that legacy i have to live by her words or that would just be such a disservice to her whole life and all the sacrifices she made if I didn't learn something from that. So today when I need to feel good, when I feel guilty, I just imagine my grandmother and I'm like, there's no way that she would tell me not to do what's best for me, what I want to do, what what my path is. Like she would for sure say, go, go, just oh. do you. Oh yeah. my God, I'm so obsessed with her. She's yeah, sounds amazing. Too. And I love my, the whole uh, By the way, my other grandmother just got married. <laughs> she just got married to the love of her life at 77 years old. Love this. Literally did a whole wedding and got engaged and got a ring and wore like a like a bride uh satch or whatever you call it. <laughs> and I'm always thinking about your community. I'm like, I need them to know this. Like it really is never too late. <laughs> oh my god, it never ever is too late. Never. Really, it never is. Oh my gosh. I love that. It's funny what's yeah. coming up for me is that even though my parents, you know, weren't very strict or aren't very on me about what to do, my grandma my maternal grandma is mm. and she still is she's my only uh remaining grandma grandparent and she is the reason I became a lawyer like you know obviously I had freedom of of choice but it was very much like always trying to impress her she was very like Emma this is the way we do things and very much like put that pressure on me from a young age and you said before mm -hmm. that you you still hear your dad's voice in your in your ear like in your head when you even if you don't speak to him like he's still there and present and for me she's the voice in my head it's almost like that reality check so yes. every time I want to do something big and go on a big trip or you know do something that's a bit out there I kind of hear that voice that's that reality check speaking and yes. saying like no Emma like you need to do this you need to be a certain way and yeah. it really relates to what you were saying about your grandma is that when my grandpa passed away her husband and it was just before their 50th wedding anniversary and my, my grandma was young she was she was in her late 60s early 70s when that happened and she met someone else and fell in love again and wow. it was so funny because it was like and, and funnily enough the person that she fell in love with was was my grandpa and her best friend's friend who'd also he'd lost his wife who was my grandma's wow. friend in the same year it's, it's very crazy very sitcom yes. like telenovela vibes <laughs> um but I think that I remember I always really thought okay I need things need to be done a certain way and then when that happened and then she quite soon after my grandpa passed away it was it was just uh it was under two years after was already in this like new relationship and she was thriving and she literally looked like glowing and she's like completely mm -hmm. brand new and then I was like mm -mm. she's telling me all these things or she's told me up until now but she truly knows that 
you know it's okay to do things later in life that age is not a number that age is just a number and I feel like it's really like I love a story about maybe I need to do a series about grandmas who (laughs) themselves yes (laughs) 70 coach it's definitely a yeah but like I really think it's true it's such a good example of like and I think the people who can really impart in your 70s emma in your 70s you can you can start a whole community called turning 70 oh, I think I, it, it will be like thing. this for each decade each decade oh, i love is gonna it be, i love true. it each decade yes. is a i think each decade is like different focuses like i think turning 20 maybe less so it's about graduating yes. and all those things but <laughs> turning 30 obviously is about like yes. for me and for you finding freedom living your own path like doing the things that you want to do and turning 40 I mean not so dissimilar but maybe for turning 40 is more about like focusing more on building families or creating careers or a little bit more stability turning 50 I know people who have this as a coaching niche even though they don't call it that most people are kind of post-divorce right (laughs) not everyone's (laughs) going to get divorced but for the 50% of the population is over starting again and like turning 60 is like coming up to retirement turning 70 is like they call it part two part like yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) um love it so there's always going to be something but uh yeah I love the thought that our grandmas are living their best lives because they really yes are. yes I think that also just the, the idea of myself as a grandma I always try to you know I, I don't remember again another quote you know these little quotes I always like underestimate the power of a quote right but I I carry so many of them within me that the only two people you need to impress are your eight-year-old self and your 80-year-old self right so I don't try to impress people that I know anymore or my family. I'm like, what would my 80-year-old self say about this move? She'd be like, you are so cool that you just met a guy in Austria, traveled the world. Now you live in Greece. Like, you don't even speak the language. You don't know anyone and you're just doing it. Like, you're not going to say, what would happen if I tried? What would happen if I did? And there are days where I'm like, am I crazy or am I dumb? Like, what what am I doing here? (laughs) And then I'm like, nah, 80-year-old Taylor thinks this is so cool. Like, 80-year-old Taylor loves this story. It's part of the plot. She's going to talk about this. However it ends, it's a good story. Like, there's no reason not to do it. (laughs) Such a good filter. It's such a good question to ask. What would future 80-year-old me do right now? Yeah. Um, Most of the time, she doesn't give a fuck, by the way. Like, disclaimer, your 80-year-old self cares way less about everything. She's, like, really the freest you. She doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, she definitely doesn't. There's like a yeah. quote from um, there's like a page in the book that I always come back to from Elizabeth Gilbert's um, Big mm. Magic, where she says like, "Only truly when it's a long quote, but in the end, it's like only when you're in your seventies, you truly not give a fuck anymore." Exactly. And it's exactly. So, um, so I tap into that seven year old energy. Often. Yeah, always. <laughs> so let's just bring everyone up to speed because I'm I obviously know your journey and what happened yeah. after we met for coffee, and I know we were in yes. touch a bit after, and I've been you know following what's been going on, but what have you been up to since then and I guess the next question after that is what's your dad saying <laughs> How <Yeah. was> <laughs> oh my dad yeah so I would say so actually after we met I had booked my flights to Costa Rica and then I realized the weather's not good so I changed it to Panama and I was flying to LA to be there for two weeks on my way to Panama but when I was in LA, I was had all this built up like anger that I finally allowed myself to feel towards my dad. Oh, I actually did have like a spiritual therapist I went to a few sessions with who gave me permission to be mad at my dad. That was a big thing for me. She's like, mm-hmm. you don't have to jump. And this is important because I said this myself in the beginning. You don't have to jump straight to love, light and compassion. Like, it's OK to say I'm mad about this. Like, I want to be free. Let that anger out. So I got to LA and I felt like 
built up anger towards him. And I had a conversation with him where I said things I had never said in my life, just from a place of love, of course, but just really passionately communicating to him how restricted I feel and how his intention is good, but how much harm he's causing me in that process. And he just looked at me and for the first time in his life said, how can I be a better dad? Like I realized that maybe my way is not the best way. And I just broke down crying and said, honestly, you were willing to pay any amount of money for me to go to law school. And you've never helped me at all since I've chosen a path that I, that I, that speaks to me. And I told him this would be really helpful. Like if you could help me with this, like I, I was in debt and I was just starting, you know, to get myself back together and pushing my career forward. And I said, you know what? helping me with a little bit of money so I can hire a good coach so that I can really go after this thing, really feeling like you're supporting me, my dreams. And when he agreed to that, we made a plan for the year. And he said, I'm giving you one year to just do you. And I said, okay, I'm not going to Panama. This is not the time to travel. I actually want to be here and I want to double down on my business. I want to be in the presence of my father as a proud life coach because I feel like it will free me. It will let me go out into the world and not fear his opinion all the time. So I did that. And after five, six months, I didn't stay a year. I saw that I I had my shit together. I was making good money. Everything was good. I was like, I feel called to travel. And I started in Austria in the Alps. That's where I met my boyfriend. I met him on the first night, spent the summer with him, left Austria, got invited to a free trip to Ecuador and like for influencers to promote tourism in Ecuador. So I was in Ecuador. Then I went to India and went to meditation teacher training for a month, which was a very difficult, challenging experience in many ways. I talk about it on my podcast, all that stuff. And after India came to Greece, my boyfriend and I went to Morocco. I worked in Morocco for the last month and a half as a meditation teacher at Selena. And now I'm back in Greece. In that time, I launched my podcast in the past year and Luckily, it's doing really well. And I went from being in debt to making six figures this year and so many things that I thought would take me years to do truly. And I think that's really important to tell people that when you are brave enough to admit what you truly want and speak that truth into reality, it's like a snowball. It's like you can't even you can't take it back. You can't like put it back into you. So I always say step one is be radically honest with yourself. Just say it, say what you want, say it out loud, talk about it, and you will see it just start to kind of create a life of its own and just spiral in a positive way, spiral upwards. And here we are. It's a year later since, since I went back to LA and my life looks so, so different. And my dad is happy. He's really proud of me. He Always, you know, people message me saying they meet my dad. Like this girl messaged me a few weeks ago. She's like, I was at sushi. I was sitting next to this guy. I was talking to him. And we realized that you're his daughter. And I've been following you for like five years. And I've been listening to your journey with him. But the way he speaks about you doesn't sound like what you said. (laughs) He's so proud of you. He thinks you're so cool. And I'm like, really? Oh, my God. (laughs) I love that part of the story. Like he would never say these things to my face. But I hear from many people. That he's very proud and very happy. And I can feel it too, that he's he's like, okay, she pulled this off. I don't know how she did it, but she did it. And that's what I want to leave people with who are afraid of breaking free from your family. They will come around. Like if you stand in your truth, and like I said, they love you. They want you to be good. If you're actually good, they might not be able to see these new ways of succeeding in life. But if you're successful, they can rec- they'll recognize it and they will be happy for you, period. They don't need it to be their way. That's just what they know. Yeah. So, so let yourself explore. Wow. How yeah. funny about how your dad now speaks so highly of you. Oh my gosh. Can, can I ask, firstly, I just want to say that yeah. I think your story about living your truth and picking your authentic path 
and actually going out and being brave enough to live it is incredible. And I think you. And you said the words before, once you start, it's like vomit, like you can't, you yeah. can't start. <laughs> yeah. And I had the same experience. And actually when I was just back in, um, in uh, Manchester just now for the holidays, I went to a, um, one of my friends had a, a, like a gathering, a party, and there were loads of people there that I hadn't seen for absolutely ages. Really wow. like people I've not seen for like five, six, seven years. And they were repeatedly got asked the question, how are you so confident to share things online? Like to speak, they didn't say to the words to speak your truth, yeah. but they said, how is it not like scary to speak about yourself <laughs> and to post on Instagram and, and that everyone knows everything. And, and I specifically, one girl was like, oh my God, like, cause in the UK, it's really taboo to talk about fertility. And she's yes. like, you did your whole egg egg freezing journey and you spoke you speak about it so openly and I said the same thing that oh I thought the same thing I don't know if I expressed it in the same way but like once you start speaking your truth you just yes. can't stop you can't and it was stop. like it's addictive in like yes. in, in a really good way but it's like yeah because it's so you... freeing it feels like such a relief it's like wow I can't believe I ever was afraid of of being honest with myself and with other people yeah and I really like I really had to hold space for that afterwards, after that conversation. And I yeah. was like, I think that once you do it, it feels like a given. It feels like, yeah. oh, it's easy. And like, of yeah. course I can. <laughs> but it is only once you've done it. But yes. Taylor, who I met in the coffee shop in yes. you know, 2021, who was like Literally. going through this huge life change, but was really scared. Like she didn't know any of this. Or she didn't yeah. imagine what she would like imagine if I sat there and said to you, "Okay, you're going to travel next year." I'm like, I would to never believe this. Six countries. You're going to become a never. meditation teacher. You're going to have a boyfriend from Greece, and you're going to go and live with him, and all these things. You would zero percent. Like, you would like laugh at me, and you would no. Like, you don't know how afraid I was of traveling, Emma. Seriously, like I was afraid of sleeping alone in a room in Tel Aviv with the lights off. Like I was afraid <laughs> of going. Like genuinely, I was afraid of the dark, and I still kind of am, but I still do it anyways. And I think that the thing about also how your environment reacts, like so many people who I was afraid of their opinions in the beginning are now coming to me saying, how do I do this? How do you do it? How can I be more like this? So wow. the truth doesn't just set you free. It sets everyone who knows you free at whatever point. They might trigger them at first. They might not like it at first. They might not be able to, it might not sit well with them, but this path isn't just our own. We're so interconnected with every single person around us that that also helps me with the whole guilt thing that mm -hmm. freeing myself frees every single person that I come in contact with and my family and my friends and the people I interact with on a daily basis. It's a bigger mission. It's not just you. It's not just your path. It, like your decision to go to Costa Rica and work from there freed me. And my decision to follow the hut helps so many people. And it's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger than you. So true. It's so, so true. And have you watched Eat, Pray, Love since you couldn't watch it? I have, it? yes, many times. I'm like, and now I love to watch it. I'm like, mm -hmm, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I went to India. Yeah, I did. <laughs> now it's like the best movie ever. <laughs> it's so funny because I remember when I came out of my relationship and I'd been stagnant for a while and it's four years and I'd been really yeah. stuck. And even like before I even left and went traveling yeah. I kept having what I call these eat pray love moments and it's like yes. I don't know if that happens to you but I still yes. get them now I'm like oh that was such an eat pray love eat, moment, pray, love and, moment. Yes. and I remember I went on a like a, a date with someone and I was on the back of his motorbike and then we like yes and I was same, just going and then same. I was like I'm eat pray, I'm eat, pray loving and I used to say it's it to a my verb it's, yeah. a verb it's a verb Elizabeth Gilbert actually was in my mom's class in high school and they were friends 
and it's like the randomest town in Connecticut. It's called Litchfield. And my mom's like, she was my friend in class. Like I was like, what? That's crazy. <laughs> oh my god, that's such a claim to fame. You have to get I her. On, you have to get her on your podcast. By I your know. Mom. I mean, you my mom does should. not know her anymore. <laughs> when she told me that, I'm like, that's pretty cool like I like that I like that that. is amazing Uh, (laughs) I've never been able to share it because it's just not relevant to anyone yeah (laughs) oh my god we should do a whole episode on just about you pray loving let's get it (laughs) oh my god let's do it um so I guess there's been so many pearls of wisdom and so many things that have been said that uh the listeners are going to take on board but I guess if you could just we'll finish that episode just by thinking of if you just can imagine that there's someone listening who is where you were and feels that pull or feels that pressure from their parents and feels guilt and feels selfish, but wants to do all of these things. What's something that you would say to that person now uh, to help them get unstuck and to follow their own path? Wow. I would say that, well, I'm looking, thinking of all the things I said, but I really think that at the end of the day, do what your future self will be proud of. You know, I I really think that looking back, I'm so proud of myself. And that's probably one of the most invaluable feelings you can have in life. And instead of making your parents proud and making them happy, think of yourself in a year from wherever you're at and ask yourself, is she proud of me? Like, well, how can I make her proud of me? She's the person you want to make proud of yourself and they will join you. I promise. Like you're not, it's not, it's not mutually exclusive. It's just temporarily, you can you can just understand where they're coming from and and make yourself proud. That's that's yeah. what I would say. Oh, I love it. Thank you so yeah. so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Can you just share where people can find out uh, uh, about you and about your podcast? Sure. So all Instagram and social media handles are at Life by Taylor, and my podcast is the Life by Taylor podcast. You can find me there. You can find me at lifebytaylor.com, all the Life by Taylors. <laughs> Amazing. Love yeah. it. Go and follow Life by Taylor. Thank you so, so much. And I'll see everybody on the podcast next week.